welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, it's another week of sports happening, and we're finally going to jump into this high school basketball talk. We will talk NCAA football wrapping up and NFL and all that uh, and college basketball, but let's let's talk about high school basketball since we've neglected it on into the season here uh, with our little bit of a basketball uh, preview is probably not the right word, but uh, we have preview information. Um, Wilson won this district last year on the boys' side. They've started out 3-0. and um, Now there is a big game this week with Fort Defiance um, that's big on both the boys' and the girls' side. But let's look at the boys. Let's kind of talk about these teams as we go through. Wilson, you know, with one of the best records in the league so far this season, you know, they have – Finn Irving back, who averaged a bunch of points last year, scoring a lot this year. And, and they were dependent on getting a lot of that scoring back from last year's team. And uh, they're good shooting, also the height they have. So uh, what, what's your thoughts on Wilson, uh, you know, the season and also what they've done so far? Well, Irving hitting that game winner against Stanton was huge because I think that's yeah. kind of what's separating those two teams right now. I think I wouldn't be shocked to see Stanton return the favor when they have their rematch later in the season. To me, this is a two-team race. Uh, no offense to Stewart's draft and Fort Defiance, who are off to fairly good starts, but this is a two-horse race between Wilson Memorial and Stanton. These are by far the two best teams in the district. Stanton is greatly improved from last season, and I, I actually do kind of like Stanton to come out on top. Um, maybe in the regular season standings, it'll be even, but I, I do think Stanton, in that when it's all said and done, they're going to be the team that is having the deeper run when they, if they happen to run into each other in the region tournament, I think Stanton is the team that wins that. I just think Stanton is a better team this year. Um, coach Mickens is, you know, no offense to the other coaches. I, I think Coach Mickens is one of the best basketball coaches we have in the area, boys, girls, or, you know, yeah. some D3 coaches included in that. So I, I really like what Mickens is doing with Stanton, and I think seeing the, the growth and the jump from last year's team to this year's team already – um, early in the season, I, I think that tells you everything you need to know about what the Storm are building there. And, and I like Stanton. You know, that was the other team I wanted to talk about early with Manny Chapman kind of leading the way there. And they have plenty of other talent. Um, I like the Sims kid coming back. Um, but, you know, seeing those matchups between Wilson, when, when you're going to kind of pit, you know, the, the talk is going to be Finn Irving versus Manny Chapman, two of mm -hmm. the best players in the league. I, it's going to be fun to watch those guys go. And there's plenty of other star players. You know, Gap has the Bennett Bowers kid. Mm -hmm. Fort Defiance has Tyreek Vini, who's been scoring a bunch this year and really leading that team. But I, I agree with you. I'm not really arguing about Stanton and Wilson kind of being the top. I think once we get through like the first half of these, of this regular season in the district, we'll kind of see those two teams towards the top. Um, but as we know, this district, as it was a year ago, anybody can beat anybody in this district. I mean, you know, Wilson had – or Waynesboro, uh, they had one win all season, but they had a good win when they had it. You know, like that it's, – it's possible for anybody to beat everybody. But I do think Stanton and Wilson will have less of those slip-ups. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if they kind of split like you were saying. And, and I liked your point with Mickens being, you know, one maybe the best basketball coach in this – district i think this district's very well coached and and for not having you know two or three of those guys that have been there a decade plus like i'm used to seeing in the shenandoah district you know when i played there was a couple coaches that were 
you know, three decades, you know, a decade or two at each school. And, and there was like all those guys like that. And then the next generation kind of has come through and now left since then. And with the longest tenure guy being Chad Ward out at Buffalo Gap in his eighth year. Um, but when you look at Brad DeWitt, who had a long history at Waynesboro, when you look at Patrick Weller, he's coached at Gap and TA and all over the place. Brandon Folk, you know, a better uh, – alum of Fort Defiance now in his seventh season now that's that was a quick seven years and, and you know I, I've, I've skipped past Jeremy Hartman who's a great coach he's a state championship winning coach on the girls side and you know he knows what it takes to get a team ready for such things I think it's a really well coached district where you know we'll look back in five years and really I think we'll see a lot of these same names and I think we'll see you have a lot of you know built up rivalries in these with between these teams and these coaches so that is pretty fun. Um, you know, Buffalo Gap, let's, you know, we talked about kind of 3C and Wilson and uh, Stanton. Let's talk about class one where we have two teams, Riverheads, Buffalo Gap. Now, last year, Buffalo Gap got to the state playoffs because they got out of the region. They were a second team in the Shenandoah district last year. They were really looking back to be in that kind of area this year. And so far, you know, one and two in the district strict eight and six overall really isn't living up to that expectation. But, you know, this is a team with a lot of returners that know what it takes to get to the state playoffs. Bennett Bowers, as I talked about, Canterbury, Jackson Laporte, all those guys are good. They also have uh, DJ Struther, who's a senior, is new to the roster this year. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what they do there. And, and looking at the pieces they had to replace, I, I do think they're in a good position to, you know, have that chance to go deeper in the playoffs. Now, Riverheads is the team that kind of want to stop, stop them from doing that. You know, in a perfect world, they both make the state playoffs. They face each other in a region championship, but it didn't happen last year and doesn't always happen. But, you know, Riverheads got the late start with the football players coming in late. And I, I noticed in the, you know, early season talk from Patrick Weller there in his second season, he was really talking about how much scoring that they had to replace with a loss for Ryan Ferris. They lost Levi Byer. Uh, the Ty Morris kid, uh, even Landon Leitner had some height for him. They had to replace all those guys. And so they wanted to kind of go with a faster tempo to kind of keep scoring up. And, you know, to a degree, I think that's worked. I think their lack of scores has been replaced with their up-tempo offense, but their record's not quite great, but they, they kind of acknowledge that's what's going to come. Like they know they need to peak at the end of the season. They're not going to have the great regular season record based on getting the late start. And, you know, I think you saw a glimpse of that just last week. They've got that game winner um, against uh, Fort Defiance. Uh, the younger Dunlap kid hit that. So, you know, I, I thought we've seen those two teams have their glimpses. Um, you know, Buffalo Gap, you know, their highlights of the season so far, they started 5-0. and So they, it started good, but then it's just kind of not gone well since. Riverhead's only had like that peak in sport. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I, I would lean Buffalo Gap. If I, I'm going to say one of those two teams out of 1B is going to make the state playoffs, I would still lean Buffalo Gap. But uh, they're going to do it a different way than they did a year ago because of, of where they've been these last uh, you know six, seven games. Well, and I'll, I'll just say this. I, I think you're – while I don't um, – it's going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here a little bit there's a reason for sometimes, that. And it's the classifications. <laughs> yeah. It, sometimes it's the classifications in high school, but I, I do think Buffalo gap is not going to have the success they had last year in the Shandoy district. I don't think that's necessarily yeah. because Buffalo gap isn't as good. I think the other sure. teams are better. Yeah. I think Stewart's draft is better. I think Stanton is obviously better. 
Uh, and Wilson Memorial is still very good. Ford Fiance is still very good. So I think that's going to be harder for Buffalo Cap to get ahead of those teams. Um, I agree. And that and Stuart Straff showed that a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. they opened up the season beating East Rock, who's a solid program. I, you know, I don't care. Okay, Tyler Nichols not there anymore. They're a solid program year after year. They're competitive. They are a good team this year. We've already seen that. But they Stuart Straff knocked them off. And, and that credit to Brad DeWitt making that happen. And, and on the flip side, too, I think what you look at is then you look at class one. And with a player like Bennett Bowers, this is a team that can absolutely get back to the state playoffs and even go further in the state playoffs than they did last year. I don't think that's crazy talk, and I think that is an absolute realistic goal for Buffalo Gap. I think Chad Ward is going to have those players focus. And again, when you look at Bennett Bowers and a player of his talent, Canterbury's averaging in double figures as well, almost a double-double. Like those, That's what you need in high school. You need double-figure scores, and you need players that can go get rebounds. Canterbury can go get you the boards, he can score, and Bennett Bowers can score. That's going to separate them a lot at the Class 1 level, especially in that region. They're going to have no problems in that region. I think they win that region easily. Then I think when they get into the state quarterfinals, that's where, you know, Region A is really good uh, at basketball. For for as bad as they are at football, They are great at basketball. Yep, they are great at basketball. So that's where, you know, maybe even if they win the region and have a tough matchup in the uh, state quarterfinals, could lose and still not be a disappointing season. But I I know they're going to be wanting to go deeper, get to a state semifinal, maybe even a state championship game appearance. Um, But I I think this Buffalo Gap team does have that kind of talent. It's just a question of when you get up against those region A teams, can you survive? Because that's going to be a and really, I, really tough matchup. I think the key there is winning that region. I you think know, you're exactly year, right. That region championship game. I think they were the one seed they mm-hmm. lost in double overtime. So, I mean, they were right there. They were right at the brink of doing it. They lose in double overtime. Then they got to go on the road against the region A team. They come up short. I think the key is having a team come across the state, get off interstate, drive another 20 minutes off interstate to get out to Buffalo Gap. I think that's a big key uh, is some home court for that team. So um, optimistic about that. I did want to talk about coming back to 3C a little bit. Waynesboro, first-year coach, the only new coach we have, uh, I think, in boys or girls, John Spears. And, you know, that's not a new name. That's that's a legend in, in Augusta County, Waynesboro area, for all he's done with AAU and, and around the game of basketball. Uh, a heck of a hire there at Waynesboro to get into that program and just breathe new life. Uh, they've had they've had good coaches and then they've they've had success. They're not that far removed from from success, but it's really dipped down to the bottom there. And I think they got the right guy in there. I'm not seeing a lot of additional wins this year, even though they do have they doubled their win total from a year ago already this season. Still no district wins early this season, but I think. You know, this is putting in the inroads and getting the right kids in the program, putting in the right work. I have no doubt John Spears is the guy that's going to be able to get the most out of these kids. I've liked a lot of the coaching hires at Waynesboro across sports in these last couple of years, and that's with, you know, different ADs coming through there. Uh, so credit to a group of people for making this happen. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited about John Spears doing that. Um, do I think they're going to make any noise in 3C? Not this year. I, I think it's important for Fort Defiance to kind of play a role in that three C, be in that mix. You want to see some improvement. They were six and six in that district a year ago. We've already talked that we know Stanton and Wilson are probably going to be the favorites to be the two teams representing the Shenandoah. Fort Defiance has to make some noise in that to really be what 
you want them to be. And maybe they don't succeed, but as long as they're making noise there, you, you like that for the future. They got some young talent coming through that program to where I think they could, you know, poke back up, but maybe a year away from that. And and you hate to say that when you have some good seniors on that team this year and guys that are going to lead you, but, you know, they could leave the program kind of better than they – better – they might leave it better than when they came into it. So that that would be a good thing there for Fort Defiance. But, uh, you know, they've had some good success against three C teams. Obviously, Stanton, they've – They've beat just about all the three C teams they played, and they started six and zero. So I, I think three C is a lot more in the mix this year. I think the, like you said, the teams are better this year. It's not people getting worse. I think Stanton stepping up. I think Wilson's going to be solid again, and I don't think we'll see all the three C teams eliminated in the first round like we did a year ago. I think you're right. Um, on the girls' side. Uh, it looks like Wilson and Fort are the favorites. Riverheads might have something to say about that. Um, but I, I think since it's not a preview and we're already partway through the season, the team that is um, maybe off to a start that is surprisingly slow is Buffalo Gap. I, I know they've had some yeah. injuries there. They were hoping to have a better season, but 0-3 in district play to start. And again, they're missing some of their best players. So that hurts. And uh, especially in basketball, one player can make a huge difference. But on the positive side, Wilson might be the team that can end Fort Defiance's reign of terror in the Shenandoah district in girls basketball, where it's been seemingly impossible to knock them off. Wilson might actually have a legit shot to do that this year. Yeah, I mean, and. And that's a lot to do with, you know, that run and gun from Mike Gale from Fort Defiance, you know, coach it there that that different style that kind of disrupts. And I, you know, it's been in there now for a year. And and I think people are going to come into the season with a little bit more understanding what they're trying to do. I think a big key to that offense, no matter what you do, you're going to be sped up a little bit. That's the nature of that offense that Fort Defiance tries to run. It's it's how you can kind of make that your own and not just play into Fort Defiance's hand. And I think Wilson with as talented as they are, with the experience they have, and with what, you know, Jackie Bryan brings to the table there, they're, they're going to have the best success at doing, you know, poke it into that. They play this week. They play Tuesday night. I honestly, we're recording on Tuesday night. I should probably look up uh, what happened there. But, you know, I, I'm really interested in all those matchups. I think there's a good chance we'll see three of those matchups uh, this year. So that'll be interesting to see. But, you know, I, I'm, I, I do think Wilson Fort is kind of the, the leadership there. I'd, I'd love to see Riverheads kind of make a run at that. But again, I think for both class one things, you talked about gap with a slow start. I think Riverheads is in there. I think that's where we could see both Buffalo gap and Riverheads, you know, come out in one B. So uh, that that's, that's my hope there. And I think it's legitimate with the, the girls basketball in region one B. I think that's a reasonable hope, uh, but I'm kind of anxious to see if we can get both Wilson and Fort Defiance kind of making a run in uh, three C. And I think the, those matchups each time they play this year are going to be really good. What I don't have got? a I don't have a girls score, but when you said that, I went and looked it up. Um, the varsity boys. We were talking about Wilson and Stanton being a two team race. Well, Fort Defiance just threw their hat in the ring there because they they beat Wilson tonight, forty seven to forty. So I like it. You have that. Um, we don't have a girls final <laughs> it's yet. To do a district man in basketball. Anybody yeah, can beat anybody. We don't have a girls final yet. If we get one before we finish recording, we'll we'll talk about it. But um, yeah, it's it, man, that's not really what we were expecting there. But uh, good for Fort Defiance getting that win. And and then on the girls side again, that's that's a matchup tonight for first place, and, and to kind of be in the driver's seat, like you said. Yeah, and and I think 
the boys' side, I think it's more likely that um, that like anybody can beat anybody. I think some of those mm-hmm. girls' teams will just kind of the cream rise to the top there and kind of take care of things there. But I, I'm excited about all this basketball. You know, as much as we haven't really talked about it so far, I've been paying attention, seeing the scores turn into NFHS. I was watching that Riverheads Fort game last week when uh, that game winner happened. So. I, it's been a lot of fun. So I encourage everybody to get out to see these games because there's a lot of good basketball in area. And I, I do think we have a chance to see some teams kind of get going deeper in the playoffs this year, which I'd be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to, to college football, um, as good as those semifinal games were, uh, <laughs> man that we championship have, game we can't have nice things <laughs> i will it's the biggest blowout in bowl game history um it was a game i me, i turned off at halftime i thought maryland beat us worse last year <laughs> uh, this might have beaten it um i think we only gave up 52 um but this this uh, I I did I shut it off at halftime. I was like, well, oh yeah, I'm gonna watch Good something dog. else on Netflix and fall asleep. Yeah. Like I don't need to exactly. stay up and watch this. Uh, so there was it was just a a dominant performance, and I, I you know I heard some people today talking about it, and I've heard you know through podcasts and stuff people saying you know oh well TCU shouldn't have been there, and you know no, blah blah blah, and I'm like TCU beat Michigan, and I've yeah. got news for you. Georgia was Riverhead status last night. There is not a team in the country that would have been within three scores of Georgia last night. Not nope. a single team. Ohio State would have got – that was what I thought Georgia was going to do to – well, not that badly, but I thought Georgia was going to play like that against Ohio State. They didn't. They struggled. Ohio State almost beat them. And honestly, if Ohio State beats Georgia, I think TCU's the national champion. I Even after watching what I watched last night – I think they have a chance to be the national champion because Ohio State doesn't have what Georgia has. They don't have that brute force of just being able to knock you around. I I do think, I think this, you know, when you only have that one week to prepare, when you have the month, you can game plan people. Maybe Georgia can overthink themselves a little bit, and that's why that game gets a little bit closer. But when you have one week to prepare, the cream rises to the top and you just have these, all these NFL players on Georgia's side where just some natural reactions, some just straight up raw athletic football ability when you get into the game was just there. And, and in all fairness, I I do think TCU seemed a little wide eyed early when they were showing player reactions and stuff. And maybe it's a little response to things not going your way is making that, but it, it just did seem like a big moment. You know, the next time TCU's in that spot, the expectation's there to make it to a national championship game and play, be in the playoff and that. And guys coming in are, are having that expectation. And it's TCU has proven everybody wrong. Now it's going to have some target on your back. I don't think that happens next time. And I think TCU's going to stick around. They've, they've been around. They've, they've been making this rise. They're not just going to go away now. So uh, Georgia was just clearly the better team. Like you said, they're going to beat anybody by three scores last night. The way they played with that week to get ready, it, it, they just had it going. And, and, and once they put the foot on the gas, they kept it on the gas. And I appreciate that. I, I mean, not that I want to see 65 to seven games, but I don't like it when teams get up and then, you know, the other team starts creeping back just because the other team seemed to let up. I, I like it when someone keeps the, you know, the foot on the throat kind of thing. It's the national so, uh, championship game. That's what you work yeah. to get there. Like, and he didn't, exactly. he pulled his starters out early in the fourth quarter, but he played his starters for three quarters. 
I, yeah. In a national championship game, there is no everybody. reason. Yeah. There is no reason to not do that. Yep. I it brought up the the debate, and I saw it happening on Twitter last night, and then I saw Patrick uh, reference it today. Patrick Height talking about his and Chris Lassiter's ongoing debate that I think we've gotten drug into a couple times, and I was commenting on Patrick's uh, with Wendy Ball. I I just the way I compete. I would just, I want to be as best as I can be. I want to be as close to the top as I can get. I want to be number one. But if I can't be number one, I don't want to be a mile from number one. I don't want to be TCU. I want to, I want to lose close. Now, people are trying to say, would you rather lose close in the semifinal than get blown out here? No, I want to get to the championship game. That's, I think, a little bit, that's a different debate. Sure. But once you get in that game, I, I don't, I never want to lose by a lot. I always want to think I'm better than my opponent. And even if I'm lying awake thinking about what could have changed for me to be better, I, I still rather have that knowing I could have been the best when, than be very much proven that I wasn't the best. Uh, so I, I stand by my side of that debate. Um, I know when Patrick Hikes, he's come on a couple times, we brought it up, but even watching that last night, I don't, I don't want that. I, and even watching the game, I don't want these blowouts. I want them close games. So I, why would I want to be a part of something um, otherwise? And so, let me tell I, I you, my, my stance. let me tell you, if I was a TCU fan last night would have been so much better. I could have shut the game off at halftime and just moved on with my life. I would have been upset, but I don't have to sit there and watch for four quarters and then be devastated and not want to go into work the next day. At least this way, I'm like, cool, I can shut this off, go to bed, move on with my life. Set See, some I TCU stuff on I fire, set some, set care. some stuff on fire. Never wear, like, then have to go buy TCU stuff again a month later. But, like, that's, that was, I'm telling you, I, I don't want to watch my team it, I watch it to the end. get their the heart ripped out of their chest. No, yeah, well, that's because you're an insane person. There were multiple Virginia Tech games this year where they're getting stomped that I was like, cool, check out, see ya. Like, this game's over. I'm not going to sit here and watch and keep getting pissed off. Like, this year is, does not matter for Virginia Tech football. Yeah. I, I mean, we have that a different approach. I, I don't know. I did turn last night's game off because I didn't have a dog in the fight. And, uh, you know, unlike other ACC teams in the state of Virginia that multiple people I know are, are fans of another team in the state of Virginia in the ACC and then also Georgia fans, uh, I'm, I'm only a fan of one team. So I, I was able to cut that off last night with no issue. And I didn't have a rooting interest because I'm not a fan of, of two power five teams. So I do like Sonny Dykes and I think he'll do well. Like, I, I don't yeah, think this – I don't think this means TCU will never be back to the college football playoff. I mean, the Big 12's only – I mean, they're the cream of the Big 12. And the yeah. teams with – the two teams with the most money and the most backing and all the alumni support are leaving. So they're going to stay the best of the Big 12, and they'll have their shot again. Yeah. Cincinnati might um, be an interesting addition to the Big 12. But, yeah, I, I agree. They'll need to step up and and – all that, but I actually think yeah. Cincinnati coming in maybe is a little bit better than Oklahoma and Texas who are leaving, but I, de- depending, um, they'll have their chance. Uh, it did get me excited. You know, I, I started looking ahead a lot quicker, uh, after the game wasn't so great and I didn't have to spend today, you know, reviewing the details. Yeah, that's of the, the thing. Last night. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to miss college football. Like I already oh, miss right. it. Like I, I oh, yeah, want yes. there to be games. Saturday, yes. like I'm going to miss this. I, 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 I see your note here that in at the end of January, they're releasing the ACC schedule, which cool. Can we play the games in February then? Like, yeah, 
just so so the is the XFL gonna get you? <laughs> you know what? Probably. I'll tune in if it's. If I liked it the good. last go round. Yeah, if the product's good, I'll be there. If it's not, I won't. You know, if tech basketball doesn't start playing better, I might be searching for uh, oh <laughs> football. Gosh, outlet. Yeah. But uh, transition into that, Virginia Tech uh, just hasn't done what we thought they would do in the ACC so far this year. Uh, they've lost four in a row, all ACC games. Um, lost to Clemson and NC State last week. They have Syracuse and UVA next week. So they do get kind of a bye uh, this next weekend here, um, headed into the UVA game. It's winning time. Like you just got to start winning. There's you, you can't. I, I think a week ago I said, well, you've already kind of used up your your mulligans. Now you got to win. Now you absolutely got to win because you got to have some kind of decent ACC spot. You don't be playing on the first day of the ACC tournament. Um, you want to set yourself up to get a bid. You can't depend on winning the ACC tournament to get in, and that's just going to require a whole heck of a lot of winning down the stretch. I think they're capable of that. That's why I say that. I think they're capable. They've had Couture out. They have this Rodney Rice person that is apparently a real basketball player. He's supposed to be playing Wednesday. They've been talking about him since October playing, um, and we have yet to see him. Things got to get working right. And, uh, you know, Bazile early in the season was looking great, and things have kind of come back down to earth for him. Um, Padula's playing okay, but no one's playing that great if we're losing all these games. So it's just got to kind of come together. Um I'm not saying they have to win absolutely every game the rest of the way, but they have to like only lose a few to give themselves a bid opportunity. Um, and then I, I don't know if that will happen because it just hasn't happened the last two seasons when I thought they've had good talent. Now they did win the ACC tournament last year. I'm just not, I'm not going to go into March depending on that. I, I don't want to. Um, I'll hope for it if I have to, but that's what's up with them. It's been disappointing. Um, and uh yeah, that's that's what we got. This team has no road wins, which is upsetting. Um, they've lost their last two at home, which isn't great. But it, look, I, here's the thing. I mean, we 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 said early in the season the non-conference schedule, the way it was going, this it looks like the ACC might go through the Commonwealth. Well, maybe, but only if UVA is a part of it because yeah. Virginia Tech is not going to be a part of it. Virginia Tech looks rough. And honestly, that game in UVA maybe is a spark that gets lit under yeah. them and they can get ignited and turn the season around there. I don't have high hopes for this Wednesday against Syracuse, though. This team looks lost. Um, great if Rice plays, but man, this team just... They have really struggled down the stretch against some teams that, frankly, if you're a tournament team, you have to beat, especially at home. And a lot of these games have been close. That's that's the other side of this. It's not like we're a but mile you gotta away win. from you gotta you win. Gotta win exactly. You gotta win. And uh, hey, we've seen Coach Young get the team playing right for some runs, and all of a sudden get going. I mean, it was <laughs> during the the last quarter, the last quarter of the game against uh, um, Clemson, and then we came back and we won that game on a game winner, and then took that momentum from there. We, we need some kind of momentum spark. I'd love for it to happen up at Syracuse against Bayheim. I'd love to see Bayheim lose uh, and then lead us into UVA with some confidence. But uh, the reason I keep saying it is because I think it can happen. I just – I don't know how much faith I have that it will. I agree. UVA 
you know, they've they've dropped uh, two ACC games, including at Pitt last week, but then they did come back with the win against Syracuse. They have UNC uh, while we're recording here. They just tipped off at 9 o'clock. It's 9.30 now. We'll probably talk about this game at some point uh, about a score. But, you know, UNC hasn't been knocking anybody over. UVA has been – I mean, they're number 13 for a reason. So, definitely a winnable game at home for, uh, for UVA there. Fans of them would hope that they would win that. This is one of those where it struggles – I struggle to root for either team. Uh, but then they play at Florida State this weekend before the, uh, the Tech matchup next week. Yeah, um, UNC is playing a lot better than they were earlier in the year. They are. Um, But, yes, that's an important game against UNC tonight. And then Florida State's a team that who knows which Florida State team you're going to get. So if that's a very winnable game for for UVA. JMU, uh, they've come back down to earth a little bit. They were lighting the world on fire. They lose two conference games last week, both at home against Texas State and Appy State. Uh, they need to, you know, kind of rebound against Southern Alabama down there at Southern Alabama and then home against Georgia Southern uh, this weekend. Um, but, yeah, that's this is why, you, you know, maybe not just declare them the best team that's ever played the game of basketball uh, in December because – Conference play is hard, and Sunbelt is is harder than the CAA, even though the CAA has a history of being here's, solid. Here's my problem with – yeah, here's lose. my problem with the way Shane was talking. He's talking as if JMU is this team that is coming into an inferior conference and has dominated the CAA. I would say the Sunbelt and the CAA most years are probably pretty equivalent, but JMU hasn't been good in the CAA either. So what does that mean? And, hey, surprise, D1 college basketball is a lot harder than playing D3 teams and NAIA teams, which you played (laughs) three or four of. Three or four of. And, by the way, I said this to you, and I've said this on this podcast, the part that nobody was paying attention to when they were going goo-goo eyes over 100 points against D3 and NAIA schools is, we're giving up 70. That's a problem. You should be doing what Georgia's doing. You should be beating teams 100 to 40 if they're NAIA or D3 schools. That wasn't happening. Those teams were putting up 60 and 70 points. And, hey, you're playing D1 teams. Guess what? You're not scoring 100. They're still scoring 60 or 70. That's a problem. They're scoring more than 60 and 70 sometimes. That's a problem. This team is very inconsistent. It's going to happen. They aren't as good as they are when they're playing the Gallia debt. Sorry. That's a fact. And I saw his tweet. I sent it to you laughing about it. Like the fan base eats up all this stupid nonsense that Shane writes about this team is, you know, so great. They could have beaten UNC and blah, 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 blah. I'm an idiot and I don't have eyes and I can't be objective and do my job well. Well, the fan base eats all that up because some of them are too stupid to know better. And then when they get there and see with their own eyes, they're like, oh, this doesn't add up. So that's the downside of when you have a mouthpiece that just trumpets nothing but praise and can't be objective. That's the downside. Eventually, eventually, people figure it out. Yeah, and, and JMU's done that on their own. They've proven it themselves. It didn't take something else happen. And, you know, losing Texas State and Abbey State isn't, isn't one. Those great... aren't good Sunbelt teams. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to be teams factoring in. Correct. Jumping over to the women's side, let's stay with JMU. They have been great in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, 
They won 11 in a row. Uh, they are the only undefeated team in the Sun Belt. They had wins last week over Marshall and Southern Miss. They play Appy State and Georgia State this week. Um, so they are absolutely on fire. And this is where a team has been dominant in, in recent years, maybe not last year's month, but of, of recent years, a program that is used to dominating the CAA, coming into the Sun Belt and kind of picking up where they left off kind of thing. Like this is similar to what they would have done if they were in the CAA still. So 4-0 start. Do I really think they're going to undefeat it the whole way? Probably not. It's, a, it's, a, it's still a tough schedule. But I do think they're going to finish in a high spot in that conference. They got off to the great start, 14-2 and overall. That doesn't happen by accident. So absolutely good job there. Sean O'Regan kind of get things back on track after a couple bumps in these previous seasons. But, uh, you know, it's not, it's not because the Sun Belt's easier. It's because they, they have the good talent there and they're playing well. I do think that Sunbelt might be a little bit easier because there's not a team oh. like a Delaware. Delaware's really good in the CAA. That's yeah. a very tough competition for JMU, especially the last few years. There's not really a team that is that kind of level year in, year out in the Sunbelt. That's going to really – I think JMU's I women's basketball at. program is going to have a lot more success in the CAA now. Uh, um, I guess I was looking at maybe, maybe top to bottom. I was trying to give this – Sure, to top to bottom, yes. Bit. But I think when you're in a one-bid league, you look for teams that could maybe prevent you from getting to the tournament. There's not yeah. going to be that many options. So yeah. I think, JM, you should win the Sun Belt in the women's uh, conference this year, and I think they should be in the women's NCAA tournament this year. They are playing That's excellent. Great. 11 straight wins. They're looking fabulous. Another team that I'm hoping uh, has a good spot in the women's tournament, Virginia Tech. Now, they did uh, drop a couple ACC games now. They, they had off that hot, hot start. They did beat UVA last week, which I think was an important win mm -hmm. uh, to kind of just stave them off a little bit because UVA is playing great. They're 13-3. and three. Um, They had a rough week last week losing two. But Tech beat UVA but then went down to Miami on the weekend. They lost. They have Louisville here during the week. Then they'll have the weekend off. Um but Virginia Tech's still an okay position there. I think they're down to like 13th, I think, in the rankings. Uh, but still, that's a nice spot, nice area for them to work from. As I mentioned, UVA, solid season. They did get the losses last week to Tech and NC State. After starting 12-0, and lost three of the last four. I think Duke was their other loss. Um, they have UNC this week, who's number 22, and they have Boston College. So uh, I think still strong teams, both of them. Uh, neither of them have fallen as hard as the Virginia Tech guys team. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that keeps going. Still, you know, obviously rooting for Kenny to, to really make something, you know, happen special. And, and that's still on the table for them. Sure. And, and Louisville is going to be a tough matchup. Louisville's a very yeah. good team in the ACC. I mean, as, as kind of wishy-washy as the men's side is on the ACC. The women's conference is extremely good. You have Duke, Notre Dame, NC State, Boston College, Louisville. Like, all those teams are off to hot starts. Miami is looking a little bit better than expected. Virginia Tech is great. North Carolina, at number 22, one and three in the ACC. That kind of tells you a lot. Um, I UVA, if they want to be a team that has that bubble aspirations of getting into the women's tournament, Boston College is going to be a game they need to win. Got to be yeah. Boston College because that's a team that, while off to a very good start, is a team you need to win, especially at home. UNC is going to be tough. If you win that game, that's great. Your two losses are at Virginia Tech, at NC State. Those are premier. Well, Virginia Tech is turning into a premier women's program in the ACC. NC State has been a premier women's program in the ACC and in the country. So there is no shame in those losses. Duke being the other one, no shame. Yeah. But now you have to start stringing the wins together against that middle-of-the-road of the conference if you want to be 
where you want to be uh, come March. Yeah. And they had some of those wins in the non-conference of equivalent. Oh, sure. There. So mm-hmm. I, they, they can do that. And I, I would expect them to. Uh, you, you're back on the mic down at Richmond this weekend, aren't you? This weekend, yes. They will have a huge rivalry matchup against George Mason after their huge rivalry matchup tomorrow against Richmond. Um, and they desperately need some wins. They've had some heartbreaking losses. Uh, it was yeah. an overtime loss to St. Louis at home to start A-10 play. And then what looked like a buzzer beater uh, after review ended up being waved off. And so they lose at Fordham um, to make That's it seven losses in a row. It's just a couple heartbreaking losses to start A-10 play. But with Richmond and George Mason, still time to potentially get back to 500 this week in A-10 play if they can get the pieces to click in the right order. Well, if, if you're looking to hear Joe's voice this weekend, ESPN Plus, what time's the game this weekend? Saturday at 1. Saturday at 1. So tune over to Joe on ESPN Plus if you want to see him. Um, Watch Saturday at 1, and then that will take us into the NFL. You can watch, I'll get you good. to the NFL playoffs. I'll take you all the way up. I'll take you all the way up, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so... I actually probably skipping down the list here. I want to, I kind of want to talk about who's not in. Um, it was an interesting weekend and, you know, they try to line up as many games as they can to where no one knows what's sure. going to ha- like nothing's knocked out before. Now, I think the only game that really met that qualification was the Jacksonville game that ended up being on Saturday night, Jacksonville won. they won that conference or won that division, uh, the AFC South, which none of us had, um, but uh, it did set up for the Seahawks, Lions, and Green Bay playing for one spot on Sunday, 4 o'clock slot, and then the 8 o'clock slot. Seahawks go ahead and win during the 4 o'clock slot. I was, that was didn't agree with any of my investments. Um, but it, So it set up the Lions being out, but they could ruin the Green Bay uh, opportunity for the playoffs. Lions did it, and, and I was really proud of them because there's no way you don't know. You know. This isn't, you know, 1960 and you just, you know, no one got the right phone call. Everybody knows. <laughs> they still went out there, knocked off their division rival, knocked off the Packers at home there in Lambeau. I loved it. And for this team that I gave a lot of credit to in the preseason, I watched um, the hard knock season and, you know, bought in. I'm, I was happy for them to not make the playoffs and make me right. Uh, you know, I would have been right there in the playoffs. They still like, they had a factor in the playoffs and they're still right there on the edge. And if it wasn't for the Seahawks winning, they would have been in. So I I appreciate that they kind of did all they could, but make the playoffs. And I think there's a lot of fire there with that organization. And I like to see that Uh, that's a, it's been a long, quiet organization. Hopefully they can build off that. Now you and I were talking moments before the podcast, how they're really invested in Matt Goff. I, I, I'm not sure I love that point of view, but yeah. you know, I'm glad there's at least, you know, uh, uh, even, or a, they finished winning record, right? It was nine and nine, nine and eight. eight there, right? Mm-hmm. A winning record in Detroit. That's awesome. So I was happy to see that. Yeah, no, I, you weren't right because they didn't make the playoffs. I also wasn't right. Cause I said, they're going to be terrible. And while I looked like a genius at the beginning of the year, they turned it around. They played great football down the stretch. They ended up just shy of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, But they end up just outside the playoffs. And I love that. I have said this multiple times. If I can't be happy, I'd love to watch my rivals suffer. 
and the Lions had that opportunity. They couldn't go to the playoffs, but they could take it from Aaron Rodgers, a guy who has absolutely terrorized them. They swept the Packers this year, which is amazing. Hats off to the Detroit Lions. A great season uh, in Detroit. Now, like you said, and I said it to you, I was like, well, this makes me feel like they're going to stink next year. Uh, because if if you're relying on Jared Goff to be your quarterback of the future, then your your future is dark, and that I don't love that. Um, but that being said, good year this year for them. Uh, your Steelers, perfect they scenario for me because I just you didn't have Seattle. I did have Seattle in investments last week, right. and I also had the Steelers because I was counting on them winning, hoping that. The Jets-Dolphins game broke their way, and they were going to go out and beat Cleveland. Well, they did go out and beat Cleveland, which I loved, um, because even though I hate the Steelers, I also hate Cleveland, um, and investment purposes were... That's America's team to hate, right? Right now it is. Um, (laughs) And for investment purposes, I had Pittsburgh. And I also had the Dolphins. So, big, big weekend. I loved it. It was great. I, uh, I did not have as good a weekend, uh, but I did. I like the Steelers winning. I like that they closed out the season so strong. They weren't looking good there, and they kind of won out going down the stretch. I think that shows a lot. You know, it'll quiet the Mike Tomlin haters for a minute. Um, I, I don't get – can I just say, while, I but, don't get that. I, I, I'll, I I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't get that. Mike Tomlin is a guy who has never had a losing – record right do you have any idea how hard that is in the nfl and a lot of that is in the playoff like a lot of that is getting them to the playoffs it's not a lot of you know just outside the playoffs yeah they're in the playoffs more years he had mitch trubisky this year do you have any idea how hard it is with mitch Mitch trubisky as your starting quarterback for four games or whatever it was to end up with a above 500 record I, I like it. I like what Kenny Pickett's done down the stretch. There's a lot to like. Uh, talking to Rob Ron, uh, he's usually the pessimistic one about I the know. Steelers. And and he's all optimistic right now. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, in all honesty, he's the reason I'm a Steelers fan. I, I was introduced to the game of football around the time I met him. And uh, his influence uh, led me there. And I, and I love it. It didn't, you know, it's not a negative. It's a positive. It's It's been a great uh fandom for me so uh i yeah i'm i'm excited what they have i think in the years to come i'm not going to leave them off my play out of my playoff predictions these next couple years they're going to be in there i'm probably going to pick them win the super bowl in the next year or two like because i know myself so uh yeah i'm i'm excited about what we have i think the quietness the quiet optimism i've had about kenny pickett uh i could kind of maybe actually speak out loud about not seem crazy um He's a gamer, and uh, he's shown that down the stretch. Now you want him to get better, and, and I think he will. And um, so I, I think there's a lot to work with. Uh, I really liked the win against the Ravens two weeks ago, so we'll hopefully see more of that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think – I mean, that division's tough. I mean, every game's a three-point game. or Actually, that division, it's like a five-point game because there's always weird scoring and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's – I'm optimistic about the Steelers, even though they didn't make it this year. I'm, I'm comfortable that they didn't make it. They didn't play good enough for 19 weeks to do so, but uh, I'm glad they closed strong. But the rest of these teams did make it. Uh, it sets us up with the playoff schedule here. Um, and people probably know what that schedule is. We don't have to run all the way through it. Um, what's your what's the game you are – if you could only pick one to watch, what, what are game are you going to watch? 
Well, I'm I would watch the Ravens because they're in it. Well, there you go. I figured you'd say that. But so, what do you think about that game? What do you think about the, going to Cincinnati, taking on the Borough? I like our chances if Lamar Jackson plays, and I do not if he doesn't. Um, so what's what's is he going to play? What's the what's the who latest? knows? I, honestly, I'm telling you, Ravens fans are some of the dumbest people on planet Earth. Um, because when you read, and I because I'm part of Orioles Twitter. It's also Ravens Twitter, and there's a faction of Orioles Twitter I can't stand too, but it, there's less of them. <laughs> Ravens Twitter is just a tire fire. It's like, well, you know, Lamar shouldn't bail us out. He should sit out and walk. <laughs> I'm like, dude, the guy's coming off a knee injury, and he's asking for $250 million guaranteed. A guy coming off a knee injury who, by the way, relies on his knees to make his money. It's not his arm. No one's paying him for his arm. Everyone's paying him for his speed and his athleticism. So go ahead, Lamar. Go ahead if you're healthy and don't play in this game. You're not getting $250 million guaranteed from a single NFL team. Not one. Except maybe the Panthers. The best thing you can do is go out and just light this game up. Except maybe the Carolina Panthers. And guess what? That would be such a (laughs) Panthers move to do. Because it would be putting another nail in their coffin as a franchise. Because (laughs) here's another fun fact for all you Lamar fans that are saying the Ravens should just give him whatever he wants in a blank check. He hasn't played a full season the last two years now. Both times down the stretch when we're hunting for the playoffs. This year, we backed into the playoffs. We made it anyway. And we're in a big game against a division rival in Cincinnati now. Last year, him being unhealthy cost us a trip to the playoffs. So I I just don't understand what these fans think they're getting. Who, by the way, Lamar is 1-3 in in the playoffs. Beat a very bad Titans team last year in the playoffs. And then we got against Buffalo and got stomped against a really good team. This is a game that if he plays and if he's worth half of what he wants guaranteed, he's going to go out and win. Because we beat the Bengals earlier in the year. Marcus Spears said it doesn't matter if Lamar plays or not, the Ravens aren't winning. Lamar, Marcus Spears is an idiot. That's what he said out loud on national TV, I'm an idiot. Because we not only did we beat the Bengals earlier in the year, we only lost to them by nine points with our third-string quarterback and other starters out that are coming back for this playoff game. So that's just insanely stupid. And it's a Bengals team that, by the way, is absolutely scared. They're sitting there talking about the Ravens played dirty last week. They're trying to hurt our players. Everyone saw not one flag, not one fine, not one NFL report about it. The Bengals are mentally scared. It's a fraud franchise who frauded their way into the Super Bowl last year. I can't wait. I I do want Lamar to play because I want to knock them out. Cincinnati doesn't deserve a winning team. It's a fraud city. It's a fraud franchise. They don't deserve success. They absolutely stink. They they have won eight straight. Like they're, I think they're playing strong. Good for them. Played early in the season. Good I, for them. They're, they're not going. They're not different fire than they had. In they're the not going back. They're not going back. I think they might get through this weekend. Um, all right. So outside of Baltimore, because of your fandom. Uh, actually, no, I, I, I'll, I'll change this. I'm most looking forward to that Miami Buffalo game. Wrong. Uh, I know Miami isn't quite what they were, but I just feel like it's going to be close. So I, that's, that's kind of the one game I have circled that I want to watch. Can I tell I, you I why you're wrong? I, 
I let me finish my okay. second point because then you might re restructure how you say I'm wrong. <laughs> Uh, Buffalo's like, I think it's easy to be on the Buffalo bandwagon right now for all the right reasons. And uh, I'm, I'm just interested to see what they can do. The magic that's around that team. I think I'm ruining what I'm going to talk about later, but obviously last week we didn't talk about DeMar Hamlin because it happened right after we got done recording last week, uh, this podcast. And uh, we weren't going to say anything that was worthwhile uh, getting back on here and, and recording. So that's why we didn't talk about it last week. We had happened before or after we talked on the podcast. Um, obviously, all the all the happiness that he is doing as well as he is, it didn't look like that was going to be the case when we were watching coverage and me and Joe are calling each other twice um, during that. And uh, it's upsetting to see. It's upsetting to see on the field. And when you see that it's not a head injury like so many other of the serious injuries have been, um, and there's a lot. it seems like there's a lot more question to what's going on. Um, it's really upsetting. And then, then the seriousness of the, the measures they had to take. Uh, awesome. Awesome that he's back on the field, but or not uh, back up and walking, not on the field, but back, back in, apparently he got out of the bed on Sunday when they returned yeah. that open and kickoff, which was one of the coolest things I think I've ever watched in live sports, seeing that. Um, he apparently got up out of the bed and was hollering and all the alarms are going off on his metal equipment. Awesome. Like, <laughs> it's awesome that he is able to do that. Um, and that he's felt everybody's support and love from around the NFL. And I, I for such a negative thing and what I thought was going to happen to this sport from what I was seeing on the field last week to then, you know, have the positive has had since and everybody come together and, you know, everybody across the league wearing shirts that support um, Tamar Hamlin. I, I liked it. I liked that for this league where it's so easy to fall into the, the negatives and the who hates who and all that player safety and people being healthy to play in the, in the brotherhood that is the NFL. It was, it was great to see that. So that's why I'm I, another reason I'm really looking forward to this Miami Buffalo game. Cause I I'm interested to see Buffalo play as much as I can in this playoff to see if, if there's still some more magic coming out. I don't, I, I doubt they used it all up because that kickoff return was amazing. So was the second one in that game. Um, I, I think they have more positives to come from this story. Is, is it a Super Bowl run? I don't know. I think I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, in my preseason picks, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see this run. So I, uh, that's probably why I'm most interested in that game, watching Sunday at 1 on CBS. If Tua doesn't play, which is very likely, very likely, that game is not worth five minutes of watching. That will be Georgia TCU. <laughs> I understand that thought. Still, I don't know what other game is drawing me out more. Jacksonville, no Jacksonville Chargers is going to be a good game. There's no other storyline from those other games that has me as interested as the Buffalo storyline. So I understand the competitive side of it. You know that Dallas Tampa Bay game. I think that's a that could be a good game opportunity for Dallas on a road team to win there. You know I think that's probably everybody's first pick for a road team to win is is going to be that game. But yeah, that Chargers winning at Jacksonville wouldn't shock anybody either. So, well, I, the Chargers are the favorite. The, the Jags yeah. are the underdog. I like this week. I like it's close. I think it's a close line, isn't it? It's close, but I like the Jags. Yeah. The Jags are the one underdog I like this week. Um, I like that for Lawrence. I, I like everybody's trashing him, and it, like it's pretty obvious everything around him was terrible. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I, I think he's due this to, you know, have this opportunity to, to shine and he's, he's taking good advantage of it late this season. And I, I hope it'd be great for him to get a playoff win in what is this the second year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's better than a lot of guys. So, you know, start blaming urban Meyer and stop talking trash on um, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, they got a huge win against Tennessee to get into the playoffs and win that division. And now they got the Chargers, which is a very beatable team. Uh, and I think they have a great shot at winning that game um, as, that pick, as a home that dog. Pick for Jacksonville to go the other way. Or was it a fumble? It was a it was fumble, a fumble recovery, scoop right? and score. It, it was a turnover because his arm wasn't going forward. But that yeah. was that was a moment. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, but, yeah, looking around, um, Dallas-Tampa Bay will be interesting on Monday, but um, I, I do kind of think that's a winner gets bounced next game. So, because they're probably yeah, playing the Eagles. I have no Eagles. faith in Dallas going deep, and I don't want them to. So that's that's fine with me. Yeah, because they're probably playing the Eagles, and I don't think that's probably going to go well. So I kind of hit on the what I know that you need to know. I was going to talk about Demar Hamlin there. Uh, I will hit you with the what's dominating my life. We finally kind of pulled the trigger on some series. We blew through the patient on FX uh, with Steve Carell. Now, my wife, the psychology major and uh, mm-hmm. her uh, master's degree also having to do with the psychology and counseling, uh, she had some more issues with it than I did, I think, because of some of the realness and um, some of the psychology aspects. And that's fine. I liked a lot of the show. I liked I, I think I overthought it. I think that's the only thing that kind of hurt me. I think I was expecting more out of it than I got, um, but it wasn't bad. And I, 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 there was a lot of very entertaining. I, I was definitely on the edge of my seat at a lot of it. And, you know, the, the episode would end and I'm like, well, we got to watch the next one. There was a lot of that. So I think I recommend it for that factor. Uh, so I liked that. But then we started White Lotus. We're a couple episodes in. Uh, that's a slow burn of a show. Um, there's some crazy crap. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's more, I guess, more realistic, crazy crap. They're trying to draw from like more realism than extreme, uh, (laughs) things that the patient did. Um, but they're, you know, they have alluded to bigger problems coming. So, uh, I'm watching white Lotus at this point. I'm not on a would recommend the cast is great, but it's just, I don't know. It's it's it might be a touch of a too slow of a burn for me right now. So that's hmm. that's my thoughts there. Okay. Well, what I the first thing I'll say for what I know that you need to know is we talked about coming back to it. The Lady Hornets did end Fort Defiance's run yeah. in Shenandoah District, sixty six fifty seven. I actually saw that a few minutes ago, and then I forgot to come back to it. So yeah, Wilson had a good night. Or uh, excuse me. Well, the, Fort Defiance, the girls had a good the night. Won. The yeah, boys the girls for Fort Defiance had a good night. Yeah, but. Um, there we go. Shaking up the top of the Shenandoah districts. That's what we like. That's what we like. But that's interesting that you, um, I'm glad you liked the patient. Cause I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, but again, I don't, we can talk a little more offline cause I don't want to completely spoil it. Sure. But yeah, and we will. Um, but I thought it was really good. I thought there was a great father son dynamic. They go through and examine there. Um, that oh, was an interesting story, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, yep. um, that's all we'll say about that. But yeah. Um, let's see what has been dominating my life is the U S men's national team drama, which has been absolutely nightmarish. Um, so 
gosh. I think I talked about it on the podcast, but I'm not sure. We talked about the beginning of it. The Reinas uh, yeah. are involved. So Greg Berhalter has a comment that he thinks is off the record, but it's not off the record because it gets reported. That there was a player who was unnamed that almost got sent home due to his attitude. Now, Greg Berhalter's the genius who told this player, who happens to be one of, if not the best, U.S. men's national team player on the team, that he doesn't plan on using him in the World Cup, which is stupid. But that's what he did. So, surprise, a kid who's 18 years old doesn't handle that well. Now, you might also be saying, as a coach, it's your job to manage him. You're not wrong. He didn't. It it unfolded. It turned into a giant mess. Now... The story turns into the Reynas, the parents of this player, Gio Reyna, uh, Claudio, who was a former U.S. men's national team legend, and uh, his current wife um, leaking to U.S. men's national team about an incident in 1991 of Greg Berhalter being in a domestic violence incident with his current wife 30 years ago uh, that Greg Berhalter and his wife are now married. Um, they are they are cooperating with the U.S. Men's National Team investigation. X Y Z, um, and now it comes out that the Rainers are the people who are trying to extort or blackmail uh, Greg Berhalter about that, and said if we want our son to have more playing time, um, and if if he doesn't, then this is going to happen. Well, they didn't bring that up during the World Cup, and the report now is that the wife leaked it to a reporter because of what he did to Gio Reyna talking to a reporter about his attitude. This whole thing is an absolute mess and just shows that U.S. men, the U.S. Men's Soccer Federation is just a tire fire. Greg Perhalter should absolutely not be the U.S. Men's National Team coach, even without the domestic violence thing. Let's Let's throw that out. He shouldn't be the U.S. men's national team coach because he told an 18-year-old who is one of his best players, we're not going to play you in the World Cup. Idiot. Stupid idiot. He's one of the better players. Now, does he have some health issues? Sure. But if he's healthy, which he was, you need to play him. He's your, better, he's your best player. Put him in. This is a guy that you're trying to build around for the 2026 World Cup. This is a coach who scored two goals in the run of play the entire tournament. You had a draw against Wales, which is unacceptable. You lose to Netherlands, that happens. You shouldn't get smashed by the Netherlands. That shouldn't happen. You barely squeaked out against Iran. Let's be honest. That was a squeak of a win against Iran. Should not happen. He's not good enough at his job. And today you have two defenders, Zimmerman, one of them, who is chief dum-dum in my, because he's the reason we had a draw against Wales, because he had that penalty he gave up. Like, oh, I like Greg Burrell. He's a great coach. He's great at uniting the team. <laughs> Shut up. This is, this, this whole scenario is just proof that he cannot manage the team. He cannot manage the locker room. He doesn't know how to handle it. He should absolutely lose his job. Now, he's not coaching in the upcoming matches. Technically, his contract has run out. The U.S. Men's National Team is trying to, or the U.S. Soccer Federation is still trying to decide whether they want to bring him back, renew, 
give him a new contract, or move on. I've seen reports that apparently they tried to get French legend Zinedine Zidane, and he turned it down. That's not surprising, um, because he's probably watching all this going hard pass. That's the problem for U.S. soccer now is I, I think this hurts them getting an actual good coach. I think they still can get a good coach. I think they sh- absolutely should go get a good coach, but I don't think his name is Greg Berhalter. And if they bring Greg Berhalter back, I'm telling you right now, just getting out of the group in 2026 will be an accomplishment because he's not good. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen the headlines of this stuff. I was kind of depending on you to get in here and, and tell me what was up. Um, but yeah, I, I know how much you don't want him. So I, that's kind of what I've been like. He should go has been my thoughts just cause I know you don't like him. He's just not very good at his job. Now, the other thing I know that you need to know is F1 news, and this will actually interest you, Leland. You're going to have an, another uh, Haas right now is the only American team you have. If you want to root for an American racing team. And as much as I love Gunter, they're not great. You're going to have a new team to root for, potentially. It's not official yet, but there are F1 reports, and the FIA appears very happy that Andretti Motorsports and General Motors are going to team up to form a new F1 team under the Cadillac brand for a racing team, which means that you will have another American-owned team to support and root for. And honestly, with the money that Andretti and General Motors should be putting into this, they're probably going to be somewhat competitive. I don't think they're going to be up there with Ferrari or Mercedes or Red Bull, but I think they're going to be that they could be in that tier right behind them. Cool. I like it. I'm I'm down. I'm 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 in. Yeah, good. You should be. It's going to be fun. I, I can't want, wait to see I who want the, the drivers new season are. Season F1 so I can catch up on last year. But I guess <laughs> yeah. I'll wait a whole nother year to see this this stuff too. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Um Oh, man. Good times. But we'll see what happens. (laughs) That will wrap us up on an extremely short episode of the Yak Sports Podcast, all things considered. Even with the preview, we were short. That's good. All things considered, we kept it short. Um, Georgia winning a game by 54 points will do that. But um, Not much to debate there. No no disagreement. The only thing to debate is how awesome Lad McConkie is because of his name. Um. I, I'm telling you, you know what, Ravens fans, if we draft Lad McConkey, I will be so pumped. Whether Lamar Jackson's part of that or not, Lad McConkey, love him. Um, but that will end this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, that's spelled Y A C Sports Pod, or Facebook Yak Sports Pod. You can also email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Subscribe on Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Apple so you don't miss another episode. Feel free to interact with us in the comments as well. What high school games are you looking forward to as this season unfolds? Who do you think is going to win boys and girls basketball? Um, What did you make of college football this year? And what are you looking forward to in college basketball? All that. And if you have anything else that we didn't talk about that you do want to talk about, tell us too. Um, We're always happy to interact with our fans. And we thank you for listening. For Leland McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Thanks for listening to the Young Sports Podcast.